0: This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play.
1: You look at the guys that, that we brought in, you know, they're all veteran guys. They've been around the league for a long time, so great personalities, too. They, they fit right in the room, so there's, there's a reason why they, they were brought over to, to our team. So in saying that, obviously, losing some of the guys that we did, some big shoes to, to, to fill, but the guys that we brought in are up for that, and they've looked good so far, and the rest of the Corps has been here a long time, so we know what the expectation is. Getting
2: the juices flowing, boys. I'm
1: getting the juices flowing.
2: That's right. It's the most important week of the season. Preseason week number two. I'm just joking. I hope you were laughing, and maybe you weren't. Maybe you are anxious for this game tonight in Orlando, as Tampa Bay takes on the Florida Panthers. It is preseason game number five, but as we've been talking about here the last uh, well Monday and then last week a bit, you're going to see more regulars play and maybe a better opportunity to see some of these younger prospects perform and one or two of these guys start separating themselves from the pack. We'll see how that plays out tonight. Looks like Andre Vasilevsky is going to get the start in nets. Also, too, some interesting news on Steven Stamkos. Kind of subtly let everybody know yesterday that he yeah, had a little surgery before the postseason uh, this past postseason, which I thought was pretty intriguing. And uh, so many other things. At Bolts Radio, Brian Burns will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. I am Greg Linnelli, along with the radio voice of the Lightning Day, Michigan. Steve Versnick is our producer, not to be confused with Stephen Versnick and all that <laughs> good stuff. But, Dave, good to be with you, my friend. I know you're going to be calling the game tonight in Orlando. That'll be a lot of fun. And With Chief. With Chief. And, you know, I, I think... For the casual fan, you know, maybe you're not paying attention as much. But if you are interested right now, I think the second week of preseason, or you could say the last week of preseason with these three games remaining, is going to catch your eye a little bit more because of uh, the team basically is set. You have a couple of spots up for grabs. And, you know, then we can start focusing on the Pittsburgh Penguins in about a week.
3: So there are three games left. And I know that you plumbed some interesting quotes from yesterday, like the Stamkos information and, and the goalie rotation, which is really interesting. Not shocking, but interesting nonetheless. I recall the quote from Rob Zettler after the Nashville game in Nashville on Saturday. And I wanna say that he referenced the last two games as the games where that that's where they want the team to really round into form. Even though they made cuts and we're down to a much smaller camp number for week two. So I kind of feel like tonight is gonna to be a night in which it's not necessarily close to the team that's gonna be opening the season against Pittsburgh. But this may be the last shot for some of these guys to make an impact. Because if by the time we get to Thursday, we're getting really close to the actual opening night roster, we may only see the guys that do well tonight. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if all four of the forwards, Kachuk, who had a maintenance day yesterday radish and i'm just going to call him radish now because his brother is is in syracuse so taylor radish radish rye fours and barry belay all four of those guys may be in tonight but if they are in tonight i would be surprised if we're going to see all four of them moving forward in camp unless unless there's some reason that they would need to be in like injuries and you know we're going to monitor sorelli we're going to monitor jamel smith see if he's able to come back and even get into a game. But. I I kind of feel like that, that quote from Zettler was informative in that for the guys who had the opportunity in week one and have survived to week two, this is the night. And if they do well, maybe they get into one of these last couple of games, which means they're really close to knocking on the door and, and making the team. Maybe you disagree with that, but that, no, that's I think kind that's of fair. Because, I mean, they have players to scratch tonight. You know, it's not like the roster is at 22, where you're dressing 20. I mean, we kind of went through it yesterday. The, the four guys that went through waivers did go through waivers. We still have some injured players, Cal Foote, Jamel Smith, who knows about Sorelli. But even including all those guys, you still got a handful of extras that are going to sit tonight. And, and the fact that these four guys, plus Schuster and Clayson, are are here in week two it doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't play right
2: I agree with you I mean I I, I guess my question would be and I'm, I'm not saying this is what you're implying but why wouldn't you play those four youngsters tonight tonight, tonight yeah right tonight, tonight yeah, I mean tonight I, I because at
3: some point you want what is basically close to yeah. your opening night roster to get into a game
2: yeah for sure I, I think that's fair and I'll say this this is my opinion And maybe we touched on it yesterday, but I was, you know, thinking about it a bit more after our show. I do a lot of thinking, Dave. That can be dangerous, but I like to do a lot of thinking when we're not doing the show. I look at that as a positive sign that we are having an
3: animated conversation that sparks thought after we actually get unplugged.
2: It does. And, you know, we kind of had the discussion a bit, you know, how much do you weigh these preseason games compared to practice, and maybe even what they did last year, meaning those prospects, whether it was at the NHL level, whether it was over in Sweden, or whether it was at the AHL. Which one has greater emphasis for the coaches in terms of weighing uh, whether or not you make the team? I think all are valuable, clearly. You know, what you do in practice, what you did last year, and then what you're doing this year. But does what you do this year – Or your most recent body of work have more weight than what you did in a call-up with the Lightning last year or in Taylor Radish's case, what he did in Syracuse last year, which was really, really good. And my stance is, one, I haven't seen all those guys perform in practices and what they did last year in the minor leagues. I just haven't, so I acknowledge that. I'm going off of what other people say who did watch them and what the coaching staff has said. But I also know, too, for me, in many ways, last year was last year. I want to know what you're doing this year because that's how you're going to be judged and that's how you're going to be able to help this team if you have taken the appropriate steps in your development to make an impact. So when I look at this race, we can call it a race, and Dave, you laid out the four guys who you know are jockeying for, we think, a couple of roster spots. For me... Boris Kachuk would be in the lead. If this was a race, Boris Kachuk would be in the lead. I don't want to say comfortably. Again, I'm going off of right now what they did in preseason. Boris Kachuk has a decent lead on the next person. And for me, the next person in that line or in that race would be Barry Boulet. Not by much, though. Now, some people will say, well, Greg, now this is where you got to take what, what he did last year. And look, the fact that the Lightning used him on the power play at times and a top six role. Oh, yeah, I acknowledge that. But again, I'm going off of this year. What steps have you taken in your development up to this point that I have seen this year to put you in a certain situation or position where you may or may not make the team? I have Barry Boulay at two. Riefers I have at three, and that's mainly what he did at the prospect camp. And Radish, the thing with Radish is maybe he took the biggest steps in his development, not only Dave at the AHL level last year where he was really good scoring-wise, but the fact that he came into camp faster, he lost some weights, that was well-documented in an article that Joe Smith did. And maybe there were higher expectations maybe for me when it came to Radish's play in the preseason than maybe what I'm seeing. And it's unfair maybe to always judge these guys by scoring, but we're talking about four forwards. And we're talking about four guys who have skill. So it's not like we're talking about grinders who aren't really going to contribute much um, in terms of what their body of work would suggest. I mean, I think there is some skill set there where those guys can come in and not just take up a uniform, as Julian Breeswell would say, You know, we don't want you to come up here for a game and that's it. A lot of guys can do that. We want you to make an impact. I think all four of those guys have the offensive capability to chip in offensively. Radish, I thought, would have taken more steps this year, at least in terms of what we've seen in the preseason, up to date. That being said, to your point and what we talked about yesterday, I think tonight may showcase their skill sets a little bit better because I think they are going to be playing with, A, NHL regulars, And B, a sense of urgency right now in this week than what we saw last week. That may sound like an excuse. You may come back and say, well, Greg, we need that intensity for the full two weeks. Fair point. But understanding what you said, Dave, how most likely, and it's a rational point, whoever comes out on the short end of the stick when it comes to a position here on the Lightning's opening night roster, is probably going to be cut after tonight's game. Possibly.
3: Well, I didn't say that. I'm not certain that that's the case. They may hold on to everyone. I mean, you may have an injury. You may have an opportunity to get them in. You may want to make those final cuts all at once so you have um, kind of like a subway car full of players right. going down like we talked about that yesterday rather than a drip yeah. drab, which may make them less attractive to be claimed. What what I was getting at though was if a player does not show well tonight or well enough, this may be that player's last crack.
2: And so that's and that's a fair. And, and you worded it much better than I did. So that was my point. Up to this point, right now, that's how I would have the race when it comes to those four guys, and understanding that that could change dramatically tonight depending on what they do, both in a in a positive or negative way. I don't know if you have any strong thoughts, Dave, on who you think right now may have the edge. And look, I fully acknowledge that all four of these guys may see time at the NHL level this year. I mean, obviously, we're going to see a couple maybe to start. But I think all four of those guys have shown some flashes where if called upon this year, and and there's a chance that happens, they will come up and, and do a pretty decent job. I have just seen more from those two players I had as my 1 and 2s than I have from the 3 and 4 position there. And uh, I'm anxious to see if any of these guys take that next step playing with NHL regulars maybe a little bit more tonight and playing like your pants are on fire. Because to your point, you know, there, there's now we're getting very close to a couple of guys realizing that they're not going to be on this team and they're going to be playing down in Syracuse riding some buses. And I think that can be a great motivating factor as well. At least that's my hope.
3: So I'm not disagreeing with with your assessment about Kachuk. I think that he has probably done more to to advance his case for staying than the other three. But as we discussed yesterday, it's not like he's lapped them. It's not like. He has completely forced the lightning hand where like, we absolutely, you know, need to have him in the opening night lineup to this point. For sure. So let's see what happens tonight. And, and like you said, maybe, maybe somebody else can, can further their case, looking at it from a slightly different tack. And I'm going to kind of segue to a little bit about what Eric was getting at when we talked about his article yesterday in terms of the likelihood of who might go down and who might not go down based on their contract situation, Ryfors has a lot working against him because he's waiver exempt. That's just the reality of the situation. So if it's a coin toss between him and somebody who would have to clear waivers, that definitely works against him in that regard. And to this point, I mean, I don't think that he has lapped anybody. So if I were tying him, I would say make an impact tonight. (laughs) Definitely make an impact tonight because these other guys you're in contention with have to clear waivers, which might make the organization think an extra heartbeat about sending them down. With you, there's no problem sending you down. And if he is one of the guys to go down, then you're only talking about one other player. And not that we want injuries, but we've already seen Sorelli get hurt in a game. We've seen Jamel Smith get hurt in a practice. If even one other forward does get hurt, probably you're keeping three instead of two if you don't want to go into the opening night game with only 12 forwards, which they could do. I mean, they they could do that. So... I guess I'm still waiting to see how this all unfolds, which you are too. You just said, "Here's where I kind of see things at this moment." This is in where time. I stand. Yeah, this is yeah. where I stand. Right, and now. and I'm not. I'm not differing yeah. from your your overall take. I, I think after after Kachuk, it's close, and it's close to Kachuk. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure that I. I have a strong feeling about two through four. What I do have a strong feeling about, though, is Ryfors' waiver-exempt status works against him in this competition. Yeah, that's a good point. That's
2: just the reality of the situation. It's it's the business side of it. You're you're absolutely right. There's nothing he can do from that standpoint to control the situation. What he can do is come out, Dave, and play really well. I don't yeah. want to say at the same level in the prospect camp because I know you're you're going against different competition. But if he can have Right. But were some... Some at the same competition. I mean, we saw
3: some players in that Nashville, mm-hmm. both Nashville games, that played mm-hmm. in the prospect game, notably Tomasino and Afanasiev, who had two goals he was really in the good. game yeah. at Emily Arena. And and we, you know, we saw some guys in the Carolina games who also played in the prospect tournament. The other thing that we have not really spent a lot of time talking about, and maybe it's it's less juicy, that's why we haven't spent so much time talking about it, is the race, if you want to use that word, and I will, for the seventh defenseman. Mm-hmm. Which right now, it looks like it's between Schuster and Clayson. And some of this is out of their hands. Like, the Lightning may decide to start the season with six. I know the guests we've had on, I've asked them that question, whether it's Eric or Joe. You know, it's not like the Lightning start the season with a back-to-back. If if you if you start with six, and the six that, that I'm talking about are all going to play, and let's say somebody gets hurt on opening night, you have time to then summon a replacement for game two, which is going to be at Detroit. The Lightning don't actually have games on back-to-back nights. I think they have a, a road trip. What is it, Buffalo-Pittsburgh, maybe, back-to-back a few weeks into the season. So, I mean, they could, if they wanted to, start with six. But if they're going to start with seven, I think it's between Schuster and Clayson. So the part of six or seven is out of their hands. The other part that's out of their hands is, do the Lightning have a strong feeling about keeping a righty or a lefty? You
2: know, There's not funny. much
3: they can do about that. Like if they said, you know what, foot's hurt, he's a righty. We really want our our extra defenseman to be a righty then that works in Schuster's advantage. I was but both say, guys are still here. so it's
2: the, it's the one thing, as soon as you said that, and you know, when you look at Clayson and Schuster, and look, I, I understand there's different skill sets there, and I, I think there are similar skill sets maybe between the two, but I, I, I immediately looked at the righty-lefty situation. I said, you know, I'd probably keep Schuster. Yeah. I by by probably way, my, would. My, my wonderful wife just brought
3: me in the schedule. So oh, at Buffalo at Pittsburgh, end of October, those are games six and seven. Wonderful. So, and even that, like, let's say you're, you're at Buffalo. It's not ideal. The other part, all right, so it's not ideal to have a back-to-back, have six defensemen, have one guy get hurt, and then have to, like, scramble to get somebody into Pittsburgh for the next game. The argument for keeping seven, though, whether you have a back-to-back or not, is what if somebody gets hurt in warm-ups? And then you are in a pickle because then you're going to have to dress five. My so as I say that, that would be the argument. That would be the argument for for keeping seven. And last year, because of the taxi squad, the the players were not on the quote unquote NHL roster, but they were there. Yeah. So like, if Luke Shen was on the taxi squad, and you had six on your NHL roster, and somebody went down in warm ups, you could quickly bring Luke in, right? And and. And have to you know, play the game. They can't do that this year because those other defensemen yeah. are not going to be in the same
2: city. My sense is they'd keep seven.
3: I think so too. I think, but that's fair. I just wanted to throw it out there yeah. that you know if they really wanted to to keep the payroll, you know, because the seventh defenseman is earning an NHL salary and that does work against the cap.
2: Yeah, and you know, <laughs> look, I, I think it's because he's he was brought back. And it was an interesting story because of, of where he played the last couple of years. But you got the sense the coaching staff was pretty impressed with Schuster and his conditioning, Dave, and the fact that he looked faster and he's playing faster. And, you know, look, there is a, a familiarity with this team, not to say there's not with Clayson, but certainly Schuster was a a fan favorite and also, I think, very well-received in that locker room. I think it would actually be an interest, a, a nice story and maybe one that you can probably do at the beginning if that's kind of what you're looking for maybe compare it to towards the middle or end of the year when you're really getting engaged yeah. on how well players are playing it's almost like a hey welcome back you know Schuster and and this is kind of your reward not that they're thinking it in that way but you know sometimes that always can factor in a bit but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is Schuster and I think in terms of salary, both those guys make the same. So I'm not sure it'd be a complete right. difference there. Um, and
3: then, like, how far how far along is foot in his rehab? I mean, we haven't really heard too much since the yeah. beginning of camp when Julian Breezebaugh said he was going to miss the start of the regular season. But how much of the regular season is he going to miss?
2: Yeah, it's fair. One game? I mean, like, if it's only one game. And are we assuming? I, look. You never want to assume, but if, if foot was healthy or, I mean, I'm assuming he's in that top six, right. With Bogosian, it was
3: what a finger, he had a finger finger. problem. So, I mean, he can skate, you know, the upper body injuries, a a player is able to do more in his rehab. I shouldn't state that because I should probably defer to, to Mark Lambert and the trainers strength and conditioning coach and the trainers about, about how you rehab. But the reality is like, if you have a lower body injury, you may not be able to get out on the ice. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, you know, you're rehabbing a broken thumb, which he doesn't have that, but let's just use that as an example. You can you can skate, you can rehab, you can play, right? <laughs> Didn't Ryan McDonough
2: mm-hmm.
3: play the final with a bro- was it a broken hand? He blocked it was the shorthanded goal that Yanni Gord scored in game seven against the Islanders. That play started with a McDonough shot block. Yeah. And he got injured on it, but he played he played every game in the final. Harder to do, as we yep. saw with Kalorn, if you have a break, you know, in the leg or sure. in the ankle or something, or in the foot. Yeah.
2: So. It's fair to it's fair to point out. It's going to be interesting once again, though. The Lightning have some depth on the back end, which Dave, I think, for. A few years, right before they had this little run here of back-to-back cups, I think you could always look at their back end and say it might be a little bit of a weak spot for them, but ever since that first cup that they got when they they brought in Shattenkirk and they got Shen and then the developments of Chernak and Sergachev, I have maintained this period of time, in addition to being the golden years of Lightning hockey. I, I believe that. I also think this is the best back end collectively That we've seen for a few years in lightning history Um, you have world-class players you also have complementary players who can come in and fill a void you have just enough grit to complement the elite skill and you're also young enough where this thing could keep going on for a few more years especially with chernak foot and sergachev the first two guys uh or chernak and and sergachev those guys a little more advanced than foot, but you understand where I'm coming from. There's, there's a nice mix, and I don't think you could always say that about the Tampa Bay Lightning over the years, but I do feel like the last three or four, we have seen a, a nice situation where you could legitimately go eight deep with this Lightning back end and feel pretty confident that they were going to win games or at least give you an honest effort, and uh, I think we have seen that, and uh, that's a tribute to this, the coaching staff, the scouting department, and Julian Breeze while going out and identifying guys who could help them on the back end. so all the way around, good stuff. You mentioned, um, you know, Stamkos a little bit. We're going to talk to Brian Burns about that. Also, Joe Smith had uh, a tweet that uh, apparently the Lightning and uh, John Cooper may be talking contract extension. That shouldn't shock anybody, but you know, it's it's newsworthy a little bit, and uh, we can talk to Burnsy about that as well. Of course, we have the game tonight in Orlando. It is the Lightning taking on the Panthers' preseason game number five. Vasily looks like he'll get the start tonight. We'll talk to Bernsey about that when we return. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.
0: When you attend Lightning games at Amelie Arena, be sure to bring your Bluetooth headphones to listen to the Lightning radio call with Dave Mishkin and Phil Esposito. Fire score! Log on to the Amelie Arena free Wi-Fi and you can stream the broadcast through the NHL app with no latency. Enhance your Bolt's viewing experience with Dave and Phil on the call right in your seats. A, a, a miraculous stop! For more info, go to tampabaylightning.com. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio
1: app. The way things went kind of towards the end of the year and, you know, having a little surgery before the playoffs and coming back and feeling probably not as, as well as I wanted to, but good enough to, to, to play and contribute. That's where I'm just comparing it to how I ended off the season to how I'm feeling now and, and definitely in a much better place um, than I was. So it's just a, it's constant work. You put in the work, you know, in the gym and, and on the ice and the body will respond. So it's 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 been good so far.
2: Yeah, that was Steven Stamkos yesterday and I think caught everybody off guard a bit because he hinted (laughs) and basically told everybody, yeah, I had some surgery before the postseason uh, this past year. And I think everybody was like, really? Oh, okay. So so you you had that done. And uh, Stammer says he feels really good for this training camp, which is a positive sign. He was on a, a line in practice the other day with Colton and Perry, and we can get into that a little bit. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Greg Linelli with you, along with Dave Michigan. Steve Ersnick is our producer. And joining us right now, he's the beat reporter of the Tampa Bay Lightning, one of the best in the business. He joins me during the pregame show as well. Let's welcome back to the program Brian Burns. Burns, great to be with you. And did you kind of do a, a little bit of a double take when – Stammer mentioned that yesterday?
4: Yeah, it was a bit surprising. I mean, we knew that there was, you know, the the injury that he had and kept him out of what was, you know, the final month of the regular season, and he was working to, to get back uh, into shape so that he could be ready once the playoffs started. So you knew it was something somewhat major that would keep him out for such a long period of time and learning that it was something that required surgery. Uh You know, good on him for being able to to rehab and get back and get his body back in a place where he was able to return for the postseason, and he was, you know, pretty productive once he got there. Like he said, he wasn't probably at 100% or where he would have liked to have been going into the postseason, but certainly uh, he had quite an impact on the ice and was one of the Lightning's goals and points leaders and and played a huge part on that power play as well. So so good on him for being able to get back and uh, get back into the lineup when it really mattered.
3: I wonder if if some of this, burnsy is related to the fact that access was so limited last year. Not the fact that he was hurt or that he had surgery, but that this thing kind of popped up organically in a press conference months later. Do you think if it had been a normal season where you're in and out of the locker room and you kind of had more of a sense of what was going on?
4: Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, if you're in the locker room, you don't see him in there for quite a while as a reporter, you start to speculate and wonder what's going on. And you probably have that conversation with him at some point, you know, after a morning skate or after a practice where he does reveal, yeah, I had surgery uh, or a minor procedure to to get this fixed up before I get into the postseason. You probably do, we missed a lot of those, you know, one-on-one interactions or just those kind of asides where maybe you just kind of sidle up to a guy and talk to him about whatever's on your mind at that day. We didn't really get that access last year because everything was done over Zoom and obviously media not being allowed into the locker room. So I think you're right, Mish. I think if, you know, we're allowed into the locker room, if it's a normal year last year, we probably get that information before we go into the postseason.
2: Brian Burns joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Burnsy, preseason can be pretty non-eventful for a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, but the second week of preseason games should have a more regular season feel to it. Is that what you're expecting starting tonight?
4: Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, you're still going to get these groups. You know, your line combinations are going to be, I think, still kind of in flux. I don't know that uh, you've hammered it down exactly how you want your four lines to look on opening night. Maybe the coaching staff already has it in their mind. This is what we're going to do with our lines on opening night. But I think you're still looking at different combinations right now. Uh, It can still be a bit... You know, helter-skelter because guys aren't really used to playing with other guys that they might be partnered with uh with regards to line combinations uh and then you've got some guys that are still fighting for roster spots right now so you've got to get them into i think it's probably most important for those guys to get into these games try to show what they can do make an impression on the coaching staff and you have three games here uh all against florida here over this last week of the uh of the preseason to try to figure out who those guys are that you're going to want on your opening night roster who some of the prospects are that might be able to slot into a uh, a starting role and when you uh drop the puck against the penguins on october 12th so uh you know you start to narrow it down now like from the first four games where there was just so many guys in camp and you really couldn't get a grasp on what kind of team this is going to be. You can kind of hone in on it now and start to kind of narrow the focus on, you know, your main guys, but you still have some guys out there that are playing for spots. And uh, I don't know that we'll see this team uh, like it's going to be constructed throughout the regular season until they drop the puck against the Penguins. I think they're probably going to still use these last three games to try to give these prospects a chance. And, and then with your regulars, you just want to get them, Whatever they feel like they need to be ready for the for the regular season, whether it's a game, a couple of games, I think you go up to each one of those veteran guys and just kind of gauge, you know, how many games they'd like to play, what kind of minutes they want to play before they get into the into the regular season, and you go from there.
3: Burnsy, we have spent on our show a lot of time talking about these four forward prospects who are looking to grab a roster spot. What has been your impression of their performances so far? Talking about Radish, Kachuk, Ryfors, and Bari Boule.
4: Yeah, um, Kachuk, I, I, I've liked. I feel like he's kind of elevated his game here of late. Certainly, you know, scoring the lone goal in the uh, in the six-one loss to Nashville on Saturday that that helps his cause. But I thought, you know, he played more physical. He looked a little more comfortable out there. Uh, was able to play more of a two-hundred-foot game. I think he certainly made a step in the right direction. Uh, with that game in Nashville, I feel like Barboulet has played pretty well. You know, I, I know the the points haven't really come for him, but I feel like the game is slowing down a bit for him and in the, in the time that he's been in this preseason. Uh, it seems like he has more time and space, room to maneuver when he's out there, and you can see more of that skill uh, that, that he has and he possesses in his in his game that we really haven't seen too much of. Uh, Last year, because everything's just coming at him so fast when you're making your NHL debut. Last year, he got into those 15 games for the Lightning towards the end of the season. But it feels like, at least from these first couple preseason games I've seen him in, it seems like the game's slowing down uh, a bit for him, and you're able to see him make more plays. You just hope that that's able to translate into more points here going forward. Uh, Reifers kind of gotten a bit lost in the shuffle, I would say, here. You know, he had that great uh outing in the prospect showcase when they opened against nashville i think that kind of opened some eyes i know john cooper talked about it that that was really his first look he got at Ryfors. Right and uh it opened his eyes a bit and he was you know anxious to get him in camp and see what he could do but seems to have maybe gotten a little overshadowed here as these games have gone along he hasn't made much of an impact i would think you know you probably since he's the one guy that's you know, doesn't have to, to clear waivers to go down. It seems like he might be a good candidate to send down to to Syracuse and uh, let him develop his game, get used to the the North American style of game, uh, the size of the rink, different from, from where he was in Sweden. So it might be good for him to, to get some more games under his belt on this style of rink in Syracuse. And maybe he's a guy that you call up uh, midseason if you need somebody. Uh, and Taylor Radish, you know, I feel, has been you – know, a A bit underwhelming, you know. You you would hope that one of these guys would would kind of grab that roster spot. You know, there's a couple spots up for grabs. There's potentially a spot in the starting lineup up for grabs. You would hope one of these guys uh, would really make a case and stand out and kind of take that spot. And I'm not sure that anybody's really done that yet. And certainly Taylor Radish hasn't really. Uh, been that guy that that stood out and and kind of inserted himself into the conversation of we need to get this guy in the lineup we need to get this guy on the roster for opening night so I think these will be you know three pretty critical games uh, for those four and especially for for a guy like Taylor Radish who I feel like is maybe uh, below Bare Boulet and Kachuk in the pecking order right now. Yeah, I was going to ask you
2: why do you think. That is Bernsey. I'm sure there are a lot of reasons. I've made the case that I think, you know, not playing with NHL regulars consistently might have something to do with it, which is why I think it's going to be interesting to watch how these guys perform tonight. But do you feel like maybe some of these prospects not as impactful as some of the other prospects we've seen over the years who have done really well in training camp and kind of forced their way onto the team?
4: Yeah, that could be the case. I mean, we've seen a lot of this in this preseason so far where you have guys playing, uh, you know, maybe they might practice one day on a certain line and then they go into the game and they're playing with some other guys. So maybe just the, the unfamiliarity with, with their playing partners, uh, that could be a, a part of, of the reason why you haven't seen one of those guys really step to the forefront. You know, it could be nerves, too. This is a situation where you've got guys who've been waiting for this moment for – you know their entire career and they're right there on the cusp of it. It, it it could be something where you know maybe they're just not performing as well as they would like to and it's something where they have to you know get a little bit more comfortable so you hope maybe now that you know they've had a week of preseason now they've been in camp for a while we're getting down the home stretch here they certainly know what's at stake here over these last three games what they have in front of them uh so, you hope that maybe they're able to elevate their game. And over these last three preseason games, one or two, or you hope all of them are able to, to kind of rise to the occasion and play really well, but at least have one or two guys to really, you know, just kind of grab hold of those spots and, uh, you know, force the, the coaching staff's hand that, that they need to be on that roster on opening night.
3: Burnsy, we saw in the home game against Carolina a line of Belmar, Perry, and Maroon. And I'm wondering what you think. Like, what is the likelihood that that will not be a line and that because the Lightning have young players, whoever is going to make the team, and even including a Ross Colton and, and let's throw Matthew Joseph in there as well, what is the likelihood that they're going to want some of those seasoned veteran guys playing with a younger player or players?
4: Yeah. I You know, I think going into the season, I think in a perfect world where they have an idea which one of these prospects that they would maybe like to play in that starting lineup and they had a good idea of who that guy is, I think they would like to keep that fourth line as the fourth line going into the regular season. I think they like Maroon, Belmar, and Perry together. And certainly in that game against Carolina, they, they looked really good together. They had instant chemistry off the bat, certainly Maroon and Perry have played together in Anaheim, I think uh, had a hand in that, but all three played well together. Uh, they were impactful in the game. I think that could be a really good fourth line for this team. But I think a lot of that is incumbent on, you know, one of those prospects being good enough to say, OK, we can play a third line of Joseph Colton and whether it's Radish, Kachuk, Barre boulet whatever guy you want to insert into that right wing spot, uh, on that third line, they need someone to kind of to, to take ownership there and, and be that guy. If that doesn't happen and they're still kind of, well, we don't know if we're going to go with this guy or maybe we can fit this guy in. Then maybe I think you'll see that fourth line potentially break up. Uh, we, we've seen, you know, a, a third line uh, here in camp of, you know, where Stamkos is playing with Perry and, and Ross Colton. Maybe that's a, a combination for them. Uh, maybe Joseph moves up to the second line and plays with, you know, Anthony Sorelli and Alex Kalorn. that's an opportunity for them or an option for them. So I think they going into the season in a perfect world, I think they'd like to keep that fourth line together. I think that's what they'd like the fourth line to be. And, you know, one of these prospects takes hold of that other spot on the right wing and they can get that third line going as well. But if they don't get that, then I think you're probably going to see those parts broken up. You might see more of, you know, a Perry playing with a Colt and a, an older veteran guy playing with one of the youngsters to kind of bring them along.
2: Brian Burns joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Burnsy is Steven Stamco cemented as a top six forward, or do you think, to your point, we see him more on the third line this year?
4: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You would think that, you know, going into the season, he'd be just a natural to, to stay on that Kalorn Sorelli line where they've had a lot of success and, and certainly. Uh, those guys were a big part of what the Lightning were able to do during the last postseason and, and lifting the cup again for a second straight time. But, you know, if you can move a Joseph up to that second line and, and they can play well, perhaps, you know, Joseph using his speed combined with what Sorelli can do in that 200 foot game, Cologne, a heavier power forward, maybe that can be. You know, more of a, a shutdown line for you if you want to put them in that role. And then if you move Stamkos down to the to the third line, then that gives that third line a little bit more firepower if you're putting them along with a Corey Perry, who still has scoring power in this league, and a Ross Colton, who's a young guy who's not afraid to shoot, and certainly feel like he'll be able to to you know put some in the back of the net this year. You know, that could be a good way to round out your lines a little bit instead of going a little top-heavy with those first two lines. And you have that third line of potentially Joseph Colton and whatever prospect is going to insert themselves and be that guy on the right wing. That line might struggle a little bit. Uh, so that could be a good way to to you know kind of balance out the lines a little bit, um, putting Stamkos on that third line. I don't think he's entrenched in a top-six role. You know, He probably wants to be there, but... If he can go in a third line role and be equally effective there, I, I think that the uh, the coaching staff has a lot of different options to kind of look at right now.
3: Last one for me, Burnsy. What do you think we're going to see from the Florida Panthers? I'm not talking about tonight, <laughs> but for for this uh, for this regular season, as these two teams uh, again are in the same division.
4: Yeah, we're certainly going to see them a lot here in this last week of the preseason with three games against them and not like that season a couple of years ago where they played them like what was it five times between the end of the preseason and then they played two games to start the regular season it's uh i think it's a couple of weeks before the lightning play florida in the regular season but i think this is a good team i think this florida team's a really good team and it might even be you know the top team in the in the Atlantic division i certainly think they're going to challenge for that spot i think it's a team that's feeling a lot of confidence from what they were able to do last year. And you look at a lot of the teams around the NHL, you know, not too many teams I felt like got better than what they were from last year. Certainly, I don't, I don't think you could say the Lightning are better than they were a year ago when you, use, when you lose a Yanni Gord, Barclay Goodrow, Blake Coleman, Tyler Johnson. Those are big losses for this team. And, you know, right now they're still trying to figure out who those guys are going to be to replace them. So I think you'd have to say the Lightning maybe took a little bit of a dip Going from last year into this season, Florida is one of the rare teams, I think, that really improved and was able to improve over the uh, over the offseason and really is is making a case for, you know, they're a a serious cup contender right now. I think, you know, if everything and and certainly getting Ekblad uh, back is going to be a big boost for them, but if they can keep everybody healthy if they can figure out what their goaltending situation is going to be, I, you know, I think they're kind of married to Bobrovsky because of the the contract, but I think if all things were equal, they would probably just go with Spencer Knight and make him the number one guy. And I feel like that was a big problem for them in the, uh, in the first round series against the lightning, whereas they just didn't really have their, their goaltending situation figured out. And they went from one guy to the second guy to the third guy. And, they had started with the third guy from the beginning of the series, it could have been a completely different series. So, if they can figure out the goaltending, they can stay healthy. I think it's is going to be a really tough Florida squad. It's going to be one that I think Tampa is going to be fighting with throughout the regular season for that top spot in the Atlantic.
2: Burnsy, last question. Update on Cal Foot and the fact that he won't be ready to go to start the season. How many defensemen do you think the Lightning go with? And if they choose to go with an extra defenseman, do you think that guy is Andre Schuster?
4: Yeah, I think they probably go into the regular season with six. You know, we know who the six are. Uh, Cal Foot. it looks like, you know, we've seen him out on the ice. He's in the red, no contact jersey. Uh, He's been skating for a while, but Julian Breezewell did say it's going to be about two to four weeks once the regular season starts before he's even ready to come back. So... It looks like it could be a month or so before we see Cal Foot, and, you know, might be November uh, before we see him able to actually play in a game. If they do go seven, I think, yeah, I think Andre Schuster's that guy. I've really liked what, you know, I liked when I saw Schuster the first time in camp. He looked faster uh, than I'd seen him before. He just looked to be uh, more in position where he was supposed to be. It just seems like his game's grown a little bit since he's you know, gone away from the NHL and played in China. And now that he's come back has a fresh perspective on things. And it seems like he's a much more confident player right now. I was just really, for me, was impressed with his skating and the way he was able to keep up and just looked a lot more fluid out there. Uh, So I think if you're looking at a seventh guy, it's probably between him and and Frederick Clayson. And I think right now, uh, you know, if, if I'm, you know, picking between those two players, I probably go with Andre Schuster. I think he's had a better camp so far. Well,
2: Bernsie, we always appreciate your analysis and uh, enjoy the game tonight in Orlando, and we'll do it again soon.
4: All right, sounds good, Greg. Thanks for having me, guys.
2: Thanks, Bernsie. Right. That is Brian Burns, the beat reporter
4: of the Tampa Bay Lightning.
2: If you want to react to anything Bernsie had to say, you can hit us up on Twitter at Radio. We'll come back for the last segment here on the show. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linnelli. It's Power Lunch
0: on Lightning Power Play. This is Power Lunch exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app.
2: Well, thanks to Brian Burns for giving us his analysis on the Lightning and where he see- sees things going here for preseason game number five. Burnsy is uh, smart,
3: and he's smart for a lot of reasons, but. One reason he's smart is he went to Orlando way in advance of afternoon rush hour traffic. Mm. Chief and I, on the other hand, <laughs> we're yeah, leaving. We're leaving enough time.
2: Are you going via well, helicopter?
3: No. You don't have that pool? I'm not Billy Joel, man. Billy Joel would, would helicopter into Madison Square Garden. For his monthly concerts, I read an article about it. He actually helicoptered in to Manhattan, and then he had to t- get a vehicle to get to MSG, and he got stuck in traffic too. I remember in the article.
2: How dare he take a? Vehicle but uh,
3: but just... no, we are not we are not availing ourselves of anything other than a vehicle that you know. I used to make is going to go on I four.
2: We uh, when we moved down here back in 2012, uh, we were in Orlando first. And I had to make that drive from Orlando to Tampa pretty regularly. Because when I started out, I ended up doing a little uh, traffic for uh, the cluster, iHeart. Yeah, well, you could have done it while in traffic. (laughs) (laughs) I could have. And I was on the overnight, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Well then, your commute may have been not as bad, right? Not as bad, but I when you're about to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a problem. I, you should have
3: carpool I... with PK because Paul is making mm. that trip. See, I didn't know him at the time. Maybe not 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Or
2: Paul Porter, <laughs>
3: right? Paul he Porter does. Like Paul Paul goes to Orlando. I don't think I think he lives. Paul Porter lives in the Tampa Bay area. Yes. Paul Kennedy. Is in the Orlando
2: area. He actually lives in Orlando. Yes. Yes. I thought I read an article a few months ago that said I-4 might be the dangerous, most dangerous interstate in the country. It's not surprising. I mean, you go on I-4, you better... You better
3: be focused. But that's driver recklessness because it's not like in Florida we're dealing. You grew up in Pennsylvania, Greg. I mean, the other highways are dealing with conditions that would increase the likelihood of an accident. We don't yeah, have so that the down question here. Is, well, you, other well, than
2: you, bad rain, right? Well, no, you have bad drivers. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's driver recklessness. That's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, so, however, whether it's potholes, whether it's, you know, conditions or just the bad drivers, Florida i4 was ranked number one on this particular list and you know what i i can uh, i can attest to that i concur i concur you know so anyone
3: who's going to the game tonight me included please take your time drive carefully and safely
2: yes that's what we want
3: i just want to take a minute and talk about the panthers because i i asked Burnsy that last question and i'm going to be a little bit more forceful than he even was and he was pretty forceful he's like they're a good team they 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 might finish higher than the lighting they are a legit stanley cup contender
4: mm-hmm.
3: i am saying that what is today october 5th
2: hold on steve write this down we can use this as a problem can,
3: we can use this later i'm not saying they're going to win the stanley cup but i think they are in the conversation for sure i am so impressed with how they have put that team together And so impressed with what I saw from them last year. And I do agree with Brian that they have they have, I don't want to say they have improved, but the additions they made seem to be really good additions. Sam Reinhardt is a really good addition.
2: People forget that. And it looks like he's gonna
3: play with Barkov.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think people forget that and they get Ekblad coming back. Hell of a player. Yeah,
3: I mean that's that's not a player they added, but he's I'm Looking at their returning. roster. Yeah. So the goaltending situation is going to be interesting because you have the young goalie Knight and and the veteran Bobrovsky, who's got the big contract and the long contract, but ultimately the coach puts in who he thinks is going to give his team the best chance to win. So we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. And then they have this Anton Lundell. I don't know if we're going to see him tonight. Greg he had been hurt he hasn't mm-hmm. yet to play in a preseason game we saw he was him in their the prospect first round though. pick in yeah. in 2020. you saw him in the prospect yes yes yeah i just know i just know him from highlights I've seen from the world Junior championships in 2021 and he was one of the best players mm-hmm. in that tournament and i know he's young he's he actually just turned 20 two days ago I'm looking at his birth date. but he might make their team He's good. Mention Reinhardt. Bennett looked like he was a great addition last year, other than his boneheaded playing game one where he got himself suspended. How about Gustav Forsling? Where did this guy come from? Yeah, They got him off the waiver wire last year, and when Ekblad got hurt, he was an absolute rock for them on defense. And I haven't even mentioned Wieger, who took huge strides last year. He became one of the top defensemen in the league. He
2: finished he plus did. 29, Greg. He did. He
3: did. I like their team. I like their team a lot.
2: What does it always come down to, Dave?
3: Well, if Dave, you're going to say goaltending, look, they they love Knight.
2: Well, look, you can love... Look, he the, may the, have the, some
3: growing pains, but, you know, it's Bobrovsky played a lot last year, and it's not like they had a bad regular season. I mean, they finished ahead of the Lightning. Listen... In the regular season, I. Or are you talking about like their their
2: prospects in the playoffs? Well, I'm, You're I'm jumping just ahead talking, to there. Yeah, well, because <laughs> I mean, let, let's go there. I mean, you, 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 yeah. Stanley Cup contending teams. These are two of them right here. Okay, what was the biggest difference, in my opinion, last year when the Lightning took on every team in the playoffs? A little bit more firepower than most, although we can we can quibble with. At the the Panthers and yeah. and the Hurricanes and that's fine. Islanders
3: got the Islanders got good goaltending. They did for sure. They did in that series.
2: Um, you know, there are moments though. There are moments in a series when you have evenly matched teams, your elite players are a bit better. And there is a, and you know this obviously, so just bear with me. A bigger track record with Tampa Bay's goaltender than Florida's. We're gonna find out. I mean, Spencer Knight looked really good last year yeah it was, but there was a handful of games and there's not look pedigree is there he's a first round pick understand but let's let's see what happens this year the lightning certainly have some questions that they need to answer and specifically that third line and I agree with you when you look at this and take a step back talent wise you can make a very strong case. That the most talented teams in the Eastern Conference come from the state of Florida. I don't think anybody would dispute that. I think there are some things that I, I think the Lightning have an advantage. One would be that experience in the playoffs, winning championship pedigree, and the best goaltender in the world. I think the Panthers actually have, from top to bottom, as good, if not better, depth than the Lightning. I th- I think you can make a case. Uh, it, I'm not saying it's it's a strong one, but I think if you're a Panther fan, you're probably looking at it and saying, "Man, we, we gotta we can match up. We can match up with with Tampa Bay. It's gonna come down to goaltending, like it does in, in most instances. And from there, we're gonna find out how Florida navigates this year with two goaltenders yeah. in kind of different places. Dave. Yeah. You know, Bobrovsky is is a guy that you can make the argument. We're going to see him as a really expensive backup. And that when push comes to shove, Quenville's going to start nights, assuming he doesn't do poorly in the regular season, start the postseason, that first game in round one. A tough
3: decision is going to be happening at some point down the pike for the Panthers. But I don't think that tough decision is happening this year, unless we're just talking about, like, somebody's ego maybe gets a little bruised. But the reality is that either... Knight develops the way they hope, and he's their guy, and they have this albatross of a contract from Bobrovsky. Yeah, or he he doesn't develop like they like. I guess then it's it's not it's not as much of a a problem, but that would be disappointing for the Panthers. And Bobrovsky is their guy, but the reality is that they're young players, and they have some really good young players at some point over the course of the Bobrovsky contract are going to need to get paid. Beyond yeah. like Barkov, Ekblad, Huberto, Fine. Like those guys are are kind of set right now. I'm talking about these this, this younger track, you know, that's coming up that looks really impressive. Or guys who are not as young but have played so well that they've earned the right to make more money.
2: They're going to have to do something with Bobrovsky's contract.
3: Yeah, but I don't know that that, that hard decision is coming this year. Knight well, is a rookie.
2: Here, here's a bold statement. Here's a bold statement. And people like it when we give bold statements, Dave. Because it's, it's a little different. If Spencer Knight doesn't perform as well as he did in the limited sample size we saw last year, or even exceeds that this year, And if he does that, that means he's their starter heading into the playoffs. They're not going to win the Stanley Cup. They're not. And that's a compliment, I think, more to the Lightning than the Panthers. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Lightning are going to win the Stanley Cup. The odds aren't in their favor, not necessarily because they don't have the team to do it. Statistically speaking, it hasn't been done since the Islanders of the late 70s, early 80s. But what I'm telling you is, That's how good I think their goaltending has to be to win the Stanley Cup if they are going to go that route. And last year it was good, maybe even very good. But Knight Knight is going to have to be not only the starter, I think, Dave. I think he has to play at such a high level to beat a team, let's say, like the lightning in a seven game series i know way down the road who knows yeah what's and, and
3: we're into the weeds on this which they're not a team that we see day in day out but but i do think that this is going to be something that people will cover the panthers are going to be talking about and that is the expectations that are coming with Knight into really his first crack at the nhl yeah they are unrealistically high yeah now maybe he will meet those expectations it's certainly possible that he could He is a tremendous talent but he's not going to exceed expectations this year i mean expectations are sky high for this guy and that's a lot of pressure for pressure is the wrong word i mean he's faced pressure he's he He's won the gold medal game via a shutout in the World Juniors. You think it's unrealistic expectations? I'm not talking about What I'm talking about is the NHL is is a whole different ball game, And every goalie, whether we're talking about Carey Price or Andre Vasilevsky, go down the list. They have had to endure some growing pains at some point. And there's no reason to believe that Knight won't have to undergo those as well which is fine and they have a Bobrovsky so it's not like they're putting it all on his plate today but I think externally a lot of people feel exactly what Bernsey said which is boy the Panthers started night in that series last year instead of making him the third option maybe they would have won the series well maybe they would have but is that fair for a young goalie entering the league to have that level of of expectation placed upon him, and I think that that is that is going to be part of this whole discussion with who plays, who plays how much, how do they work the veteran versus the young guy, Bobrovsky's contract, all of that. I think is is going to be plenty of topic for conversation in Pantherland. But but I hope for Spencer Knight's sake that he is not put in a position where expectations become unrealistic and that affects his ability to grow as a goalie
2: Mm -hmm. because i'm cheering
3: for him i want to see this guy Mm -hmm. reach his potential
2: yeah and if he does then you can legitimately call him i think a stanley cup contending team right but it may
3: it may take some time it may that's the reality he like he like lundell is 20
2: he turned 20 in april correct so correct the thing is you don't want to and not that you do not that you're saying this, you do not, I know we have to end the show, where, you don't want to quote-unquote waste some bullets through growing pains when you have otherwise a Stanley Cup contending team, though. Because I don't think Bobrovsky can get it done. That's my take. I think it, it does fall on night, which is why you saw them play last year in the playoffs. Yeah, And so you mentioned the unfair expectations. I think they've already put those expectations. Well, I, th- I think that's true. Yeah, but the
3: question I I is, have- will, will the team insulate him enough? They should. That's, that's kind of the way yeah, you handle it. Like, okay, outside the room, there are these crazy, unrealistic expectations, which he may realize, but they're still sure. unrealistic. Inside the room, we got your back, kid. Like, that's, that's how you kind of counter that. Yeah. Don't listen to the outside noise. Don't do listen. what you need to do. Come ready to play. Come ready to learn every day, and it's all yes. going to work out. Like, Don't that's how Twitter. you manage
2: that inside the room. Don't get on Twitter, baby. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) That's good uh, advice
3: whether you're a stud goalie or not.
2: All right. Dave, great job. I'm going to talk to you during the pregame show with Chief starting at uh, 630. Talk to you in a few. All right. Thanks to Brian Burns. Thanks to Steve Erskine. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Greg Lunelli. Game tonight at 7, pregame at 630. You can listen to all the action right here on Lightning Power Play.